Blog Talk Radio. You have just tuned in to the Midweek Pick Me Up Energy Show, featuring professional officiant, tuning fork facilitator, and author, Marcy Ann Cheek. In 1988, Marcy Ann discovered the quantum fields of energy and vibration, and since then her life has been a day-to-day experiment in knowing how to live in light energy for happiness, health, and wealth. She shares the principles and laws of light energy as they operate in everyday life. And now, here is Marcy Ann. Good evening, everyone. This is Marcy Ann, and I want to welcome you to my show tonight. Um, I'm doing a series of programs on how to get your prayers answered. And um, this is part two of prayer that works every time. And tonight we're going to talk about the cosmic workers, that invisible realm of God that are the ones that go out and, and do the work to get our prayers answered for us. And as if you've listened to part one, uh, the show on uh, part one of Prayer That Works Every Time, uh, you learned that the answer to every single one of your prayers is yes. Uh, and last week also I shared with you two forms of prayer that really work and they work every time, and how to do them. The one was the prayer of the in, of intention, and the other one is the prayer of the covenant. <clears throat> and I talked about this vast hierarchy that is just waiting for us to speak out our intention or to know what it is we make the covenant about. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about that vast hierarchy tonight. And I said last week that a lot of people uh, either don't know about this vast hierarchy or or they don't believe in it. So they have a limited experience in um, having their prayers answered. But I also said that whether you believe in it or not, (laughs) whether you even know about it or not, this vast hierarchy is bringing to pass every single thing that you are thinking and speaking all the time. So it would be much more to your advantage to find out about this hierarchy and to begin to trust it, but most importantly, to begin to work with it consciously instead of unconsciously, just willy-nilly. So... (laughs) To, uh, so what is the vast hierarchy? And I'm going to get to the answer to this question eventually, but uh, first of all, we need to sort of go back to the beginning and straighten out some things. I was reading in the Huffington Post about Stuart Kaufman. He's a biologist at the University of Calgary in Canada. And he said that... <clears throat> Not only is it a barbarous idea to have to appease an angry God of propitiating an offended Lord to try to win the favor of deity through sacrifices and penances and even to have to shed innocent blood, 
he calls these childish ideas represented by a religion which is wholly primitive, a philosophy unworthy of an enlightened age of science and truth. (laughs) And I said in my first show about this that prayer is communication with God. So if you feel like you have to appease this angry God or uh, that the Lord is offended with you before you even start to pray or if you have to win this deity's favor through any kind of sacrifice or penance or uh, to accept the shedding of innocent blood in order to feel worthy, then this is where you would want to start before you even pray. Uh, Professor Kaufman says that the God of traditional religion no longer is current with our current scientific knowledge. (laughs) And I say amen to that because, and I would add that such beliefs are utterly repulsive to all of the celestial beings in this vast hierarchy of workers as well as all the divine rulers who serve and reign in the universe. It's just an agony to God for anyone to believe or hold true or teach that innocent blood must be shed in order to win his favor or to appease his divine wrath. God isn't angry. God is love. And love is a total opposite of anger. An angry God is just a fictitious invention of angry, evil minds. And if you want a good example of an angry mind, just look at what Jody Arias did. If you want a good example of an evil mind, just see what Dick Cheney did. Is this the kind of God you serve? However, Professor Kaufman always says that to invoke God, or to use our words that we're using in my program, to pray to God, is to invoke the vast creative forces of nature, known and unknown. Invoking God is prayer that works every time. Okay, so now let's go back to Genesis and take a look there at what really happened. (laughs) Because we can't build a house on a crumbling foundation and expect it to stand. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, after the heavens and the earth were made, the lights in the sky were placed there for day and at night, the grasses and the herb yielding seeds, the fruit trees, and all the other plants were made. And then the waters brought forth the great whales and moving creatures, and then the fowls that fly above the earth, and then the cattle and the creeping things, and the beasts of the earth. And then finally, in verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image. Well, who's speaking here? Let us make man in our image? Well, who is us? 
there has to be more than one person involved to use the word us. There has to be at least two of them for someone to say, let us make man in our image. But the truth here is that this was a coven of authorities. And the word coven comes from the Latin, and it means to agree. And later on in the French language, the idea of gathering together to agree was part of the definition. It really wasn't used pertaining to witches until the late 1600s. But long, long, long before that, a coven was just a gathering where a group of authorities agree to do something together. So you could also call it a congress or a senate or a parliament or a congregation. And in the case in Genesis, this group of authorities who gathered together that were going to agree about how to make a man. And they wanted this man to be made a certain way with certain powers. So who are these authorities? Now this is part of the vast cosmic hierarchy. These are the ones that are up above the cosmic workers that make the prayers come to pass. They work under the architects of being who work directly under God the Supreme. Now the architects of being is a group of authorities who are in charge of life everywhere. And they send out life carriers. And the life carriers are the authorities who bring life to a new planet when it's time for life, like Homo sapiens, to take place at that on that planet. Now, these life carriers <clears throat> have gobs of experience doing that, doing this. You know, life on our planet is not their first creation. They've been working together for a long, long time, and they have a lot of experience. Life on the planets in a universe, while similar in some respects, does differ in many ways on each evolutionary planet. And even in a uniform life series in a single family of worlds, life is not exactly the same on any two planets. There is always a unique planetary type. For the life carriers work constantly in an effort to improve all of the vital formulas that are committed to their keeping. Now, there are over one million fundamental cosmic chemical formulas which constitute the parent patterns and the numerous basic functional variations of life. And universe physicists and electrochemists serve as technical assistance to the life carriers in the work of capturing and organizing and manipulating the essential units of energy that are used to create new vehicles of life transmission. This is the us who is speaking. Let us make man in our image. Now the life carriers and all their associates collaborate with the Melchizedeks in an effort to modify and possibly improve the life which is designed for a planet. Now the Melchizedeks are the master teachers of a planet. On our planet, it's been a Buddha, Shiva, the Krishna, Christ, Muhammad, 
These are the ones who bring forth the knowledge, the techniques, and prayers that lead individuals on their own individual spiritual path. And Jesus, uh, the Bible says that Jesus originally was a Melchizedek before he was promoted. And I believe that Dr. Deepak Chopra is a Melchizedek. <clears throat> now, our Earth is a life experiment planet. One planet in every ten worlds is experimental. Now, actually, here on Earth, we, as a part of this experiment, <laughs> we can come up with an idea or a concept or a thought that has perhaps never been ever done anywhere else in the whole universe. Do you know every day you can read a story on the Internet of something that was done that's never been done before? And the problem with crisis management is that a one-time occurrence might not ever happen again. So to build a whole defense system around a one-time occurrence is so expensive and actually totally unnecessary. (laughs) But I would have to save that discussion for another radio program in the future. Just know that all new ideas and concepts and thoughts are carefully cataloged and stored away in the Akashic Records for future generations to use on other worlds. So it's the life carriers that are the ones that are speaking here. Let us make man in our image. They were the ones who were assigned to bring forth the next level of life here on our earth, and they decided to give man the same powers that they had, as this would give man an advantage and also the ability to continue to ascend into higher and higher positions of authority, where eventually we could also perhaps qualify to become a life carrier and help to create a new world someplace else in a far and distant universe that has yet to be created. Now, if you've been listening to my show for a while, you've heard me say many times I never was ever attracted to the idea of being able to die and go to heaven. Heaven just sounded so boring to me. (laughs) But this idea that as I continue to learn how to use my powers, I could eventually qualify to help run in the universe, you know, now that appeals to me. (laughs) That's an idea that gives me great purpose for this life and great excitement for the afterlife. So the powers of the life carrier are that each and every one of us has the ability to think and then to speak their intention, and their intention would be manifested. So they said, let us make a man and let that man be made in our image, and it was so. And man was created. Now, this is the moment in between Homo erectus and Homo sapiens, you know, that place that science is yet to fill in. This is where the quantum leap happened, where the word was spoken, and man made a sudden leap into Homo sapiens. Now, the word man includes woman, as is explained later on in Genesis, male and female created they them. And the dominion of the earth was given unto them. Now, this new couple were given the powers to think and to speak what they thought. And they were connected to the God, the Spirit of God the Supreme. And it is the Spirit of God the Supreme 
that is the God spark that beats, that starts every heart to beat and beats that heart from then on. Now, in the Bible, this couple is called Adam and Eve. I believe that Adam and Eve were transported here from another dimension to fully formed. They came to upset the biological advancement that was present here on our Earth. The primitive caveman that had evolved to a certain point where the time of advancement was going to take place. And I believe that they brought the 12 strands of DNA that make the human body that we have now. We have two strands of this DNA working at this time with 20 codons in operation, but we have the capacity of 60 codons working eventually. And actually, the kids coming in today have more than 20 codons working already, and they're they're wired very differently than we are, and unfortunately, they're pretty much all currently on Ritalin, or they've been judged autistic, but, you know, very soon the current school system is going to fail. And as we begin to realize that drugs are not the answer, there will be new ways of dealing with these advanced evolutionary beings, and they will begin to be able to use their special gifts and talents to help us make a better world. Okay, so now we as the new creation of man here on Earth are now connected to God the Spirit of God the Supreme, and Adam and Eve began their job of upstepping the biological creation. And the heart of each and every new human being that was being born was started by that God-spark energy of God the Supreme. And this God-spark energy is love and passion and desire. And it includes intuition, we get that from the uh, animal realm. I mean, that's the ability of the primitive part of our brain, the arigula, to quickly perceive a situation and react in self-preservation. It's just natural, inherent, reflexed instincts. You know, like take your hand off that burning stove or run like the wind if you see a wild animal. It's the place of fight or flight. It's imprinted with all the natural instincts as well as learned instincts from our life experiences. But nothing is set in stone here. Actually, nothing is set in stone anywhere. (laughs) But if we have imprints in our arigula, we can reprint some new information here that will override and re-record new information, and then our instinctive reflexes will be from the new information. And an example of this is I used to be afraid of flying because of some terrible experiences I had on several flights. But I have gone into this place of intuition and re-recorded new information, especially since the airlines have now passed the law that they can't sequester us on a plane anymore for more than two hours. And so now I can fly again. The next thing we get in our, from the spirit of God the Supreme is courage. The uh, curiosity mother of all adventure and discover. I have a lot of this. I've been asking why, why, why my whole life. And this is also the basis of our character that provides us with moral stamina and spiritual bravery. And during all of the most recent disasters, you know, 9-11 and Katrina and these shootings of 
of ISIS, we see this spirit of courage at work. And we also have understanding. This is the gift of using the knowledge we've acquired to to reason and make a quick decision or a very careful judgment. Now, the Spirit of God, the Supreme, also brings us the Spirit of Counsel. This is the gift that allows us to cooperate with one another, as well as the ability to harmonize with our fellow men. And Facebook and Twitter and all of the other social media are very good examples of this in operation today. And then within the the spirit of God, the supreme, is the spirit of compassion, our ability to feel sympathy, to forgive and show mercy, to cherish, and to be tender towards people and hold people dear in our heart. And then what seems to separate us more from the animal realm is a spirit of worship. Now, what is that? Uh, To worship means, at its simplest understanding, to give worth to something, to admire, to respect, to hold dear, to revere, to esteem. I mean, unfortunately, today, about all we do give worth to and worship are celebrities, guns, sports, and the nightly news police report. But as we begin to move more towards true worship, True worship would begin with first loving ourselves and giving worth to ourselves. And then we would be able to truly love others and be able to access and give worth to them. And since this is the one place where we're supposed to be smarter and and more evolved than the animals, then we could tend to look at our lives and see what do we worship. What do we worship? What are what are we considering more worthwhile than we are? I mean, do you believe you are as valuable as just Justin Bieber? Do you believe you are as important as President Obama? You know, President Obama started out as just another brown-skinned island boy going to school with all the other brown-skinned island kids in Hawaii. His mom was a single working mom, and his grandparents helped to raise him, and he didn't know his dad, and now he's president of the United States. Because we live in an environment where anything is possible. You can be whatever you want to be, ascend to whatever heights you wish to climb to, just by activating that spirit of worship that is already within you and consciously acknowledge your own worth and then set your intention and speak out your truth. This is actually the best definition of prayer I know. So I'm going to say it one more time. Activate the spirit of worship within you. Consciously acknowledge your own self-worth, and then set your intention and speak your truth to God. Now, one of the most valuable things that Adam and Eve brought to us in this um, 12 strands of DNA could be called the spirit of wisdom. Now, I got 
definition of the spirit of wisdom from the Urantia book. And they say the inherent tendency of all moral creatures toward orderly and progressively evolutionary advancement. This is the highest of the mind spirits. It coordinates the work of all the others. This is the secret to that inborn urge of mind creatures for their inexplicable ability to survive. (laughs) And I would add that wisdom is the curator of all knowledge and allows us to be omniscient, which is the capacity to know everything there is to know about anything. This is our birthright. It's the most valuable part of the God spark that beats our heart. So are you using your spirit of wisdom? Because when this part of us that is fully in operation, we will be able to walk on our individual specific path for our life and make good decisions and we can get to where we will quit making mistakes and be able to be totally successful in all of our endeavors. Okay, so I know it took me quite a while to get through verse 26 in Genesis, (laughs) but now the life carriers are ready to make their prayer. Remember, the answer to every prayer is yes. And they speak out their intention. Let us make man in our image. And their word was made flesh, and man was created. Okay. Now, man is made in the image of the life carriers with the ability to think, make a decision, decide what they want, and then set an intention and pray to God and speak out their truth. Okay, now who is it that does the work after the life carriers spoke out their word? Because that's the same group of people that are going to be answering and making your what you speak, your intention or your prayer of the covenant. This is who is going to do the work. It's this vast hierarchy that gets busy and causes everything to happen. Now, this vast hierarchy is made up of a multitude of celestial workers They are all trained and assigned their specific jobs to bring to pass anything that we can think or ask. Their job is to make it happen exceedingly abundantly more than what we ask for. This is how I do run my business. I promise a certain amount of services, and then my staff and I give them more than they thought they were going to get. And all of my brides and grooms tell me how wonderful everything was. If you read the testimonials on my website, they say, our wedding was so much more than what we were expecting. And this is the way 
the uh, cosmic hierarchy works. That's how I learned it. So when we are made in the image of the life carriers, so when we pray the prayer of the covenant or we set our intention and we speak it out to the universe, this group of celestial beings immediately goes to work to bring our desires to pass. The Bible really means it when it says that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. Okay, so let's look at some of these celestial workers. I'm going to just use the ones that the Bible talks about. There's lots and lots of others. But first of all, Jesus is uh, is now in charge of a lot of these. He has graduated to being one of God the Supreme's creator sons. Uh, this is a path uh, of ascension that uh, many of us are on. Now, Gabriel is his chief administrator of everything. And then he has all of the Melchizedeks, the constellation fathers, the system sovereigns, the system circuit supervisors, the angels and the archangels, the seraphim and the cherubim, the planetary princes, the elementals, the faithful of days, the record keepers, the power directors, the high commissioners, the most high commissioners and their assistants, the four and twenty elders, and the ancients of days. Now all of these main authorities, these are main authority And they have dozens and dozens and dozens of workers who they give their orders to. And this isn't all of the authorities in this vast hierarchy of workers. I just use the ones that are listed in the Bible. I could go on for the rest of the program listing workers because it's a vast hierarchy, a very organized, dedicated, trustworthy, honest, and loyal workers. And to qualify to be a part of this vast hierarchy of workers A being must pass many, 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 many tests. All aspects of their character must be tested to the max. Because Jesus isn't going to let anybody work in this important core of workers that could mess something up or be careless or be lackadaisical or be doing personal stuff while they're on the job. These workers would never be periscoping while they're at work. These workers have been screened and are validated by Jesus himself. One day while Jesus was out teaching the multitudes, in what I think was great exasperation, he said, Don't you know that you are God's? Don't you know that you shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass? Don't you know that two of you can agree about something, anything, and it'll be done for you by my Father which is in heaven? Now, Jesus called this vast hierarchy that's just waiting, ready to hear our prayers and bring them to pass, his Father in heaven. Because this is a simple way of saying, we will do it. No need to go into detail. We can get it done. Trust me, I know how to get it done. And when Jesus said that we are gods, this is not saying that we are the absolute, ultimate God, the supreme, 
But this means that we have been made in the power and image of the life characters, which is kind of a little g God, a God in the sense that we live in the realm of authority. To me, a God means that a person can think, speak, and therefore create, and we are doing it every minute of our lives. So I just want to encourage you again to begin to realize who and what you are. I encourage you to begin to create your life exactly the way you want it. I mean, now remember, once you speak out an intention or you have a friend pray the prayer of the covenant with you, then at that moment, it's done. At that moment, that vast hierarchy goes to work immediately. And you know, it would be good for you to take a moment at the end of your prayer of intention or the prayer of agreement and actually visualize this vast hierarchy of workers going to work because they're rushing out to do it. And all you have to do from that moment on is to just be thankful and know that the process is in the works. Hold fast to what you said. Don't change it. So just take a minute right now. Just begin to visualize in your imagination. See all these workers scurrying around and doing whatever it's necessary to make prayers happen. And if our own personal group of workers needs help, all they have to do is call out to a reserve corps of workers who will come and help them. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate? I could call a legion of angels right this minute and they would deliver me out of this. Well, you know how much a legion of angels is? It's 144,000 angels. So to get some idea of how big your own personal hierarchy of personal workers is, who do you think keeps track of all those hairs on your head? It takes a special celestial hair counter to do this. <laughs> because our personal workers are, you know, there's a whole group that's assigned just to you. And they're keeping track of everything we are thinking and everything we say and everything we want and everything we desire. And they're constantly at work, ready to go, to bring it to pass once you speak that word from your heart. I mean, I think we've been taught very negatively about these workers. We've been taught that they're writing down everything bad we've ever done in our life, and on Judgment Day the books are going to be opened and everything will be read, and then we'll be punished. But this is the fabrication of that same evil mind that taught us that God is angry. God is not angry. God loves you. God wants you to have the desires of your heart. God wants all of us to live in the kingdom of heaven right here on earth. So this vast hierarchy of the kingdom of heaven is just keeping track of everything so they can bring it to pass for us. It gives them a much bigger idea of what we truly need and desire. And that's why if you are as, can be as specific as possible... If you are more focused about what you want, things are going to happen faster because the clearer and more simple that you can be will hasten the manifestation and hold fast 
don't keep changing your mind. If you send them all off doing one thing and then you change your mind and want something else, they have to completely alter their momentum. You know, sometimes <laughs> I can just see them looking at one another and saying, gosh, I wish she'd make up her mind. I just keep running around in circles here. I'd sure like to get something done for her. So if you pray, first of all, the moment you pray, say exactly what you want. And then visualize that vast hierarchy of workers going to work to do it. Because they start immediately. Because the answer to your prayer is yes. And they have already started to get it done. And then you just take your stand. You know that you have it. You've received your answer, and then you just thank God for it until you actually see the manifestation. Because the Bible says that all of the promises of God are yea and amen. So the promise is that you can have the desire of your heart, ask, seek, and knock, and the answer is yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then you'll get the amen when you see it. Okay, just be very specific what you ask for. Sometimes you get the yes and the amen at the same time, at the same time like my neighbor did who wanted the job at the gate at our retirement community. She set, her, she set her intention and she had the job the next day. And sometimes there's a little time in between the yay and amen, like when I ask for my own home. But during this time in between, just rejoice and be thankful that you already have your answer and the answer is yes and the workers are working on it. You know, sometimes there needs to be a process to be completed between the asking and the getting. I mean, I cut my finger last week, and it took a week for the cut to heal. This is kind of an example of that in-between time, because my body had to start at the bottom part of the cut and work upwards up through the various skin layers. But today, there is no evidence on my finger that I had cut it. The skin is pure and smooth and perfect. And if you have prayed the prayer of the covenant, you need to do your part of the covenant. If you've prayed for a healing, sometimes there is the need for forgiveness or an adjustment in your physical life. You know, like the story of my son who needed to release his annoyance and then he got the healing. But also know spiritual beings, the cosmic hierarchy, they are not bound by the time-space continuum. We've created time as a way to be organized. But spirit doesn't live in time. In the spirit, the answer is already given, and the manifestation is in the works. And also remember, and this is most important, we do not set up any conditions or expectations on how it's going to be answered. I mean, in my daughter's case, I performed her surgery in a dream. And every day in the news on the Internet, you read of something that has never been tried before or never been done before. And there are just endless possibilities of unrestricted actions by limitless celestial workers, as well as our own omniscient abilities as a God with the ability to know everything there is to know about anything. And lastly, and this is kind of for me, where the fun starts, sometimes we get to be in on it. <laughs> Once you really get good at setting intentions and using 
the prayer of the covenant to get all of your own personal needs and desires met, then you can begin to work with this vast hierarchy of celestial beings to help others and to become a source of God's energy to others in the here and now. Now, next week, I'm going to devote one whole program to the process of decreeing. Uh, This is an action of speaking what we want, because it says man, the Bible says man shall decree a thing, and it shall come to pass. Uh, But I want to explain the difference between uh, setting an intention or praying the prayer of the covenant and decreeing something. They are different. So I hope you'll uh, tune in. Prayer really works. And the more we understand the process, the better our life is going to be. I want to close my show now and um, say goodbye. And I'll be talking with you again in just a couple days. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. You can contact Marcy Ann on her website, www.marcyann.com. You can also view all of Marcy Ann's videos on YouTube by putting Marcy Ann in the YouTube search window. You can download her book for free at www.mrwriteforme.com. And if you want to go into business for yourself, take a look at Marcy Ann's Weddings and Celebrations Business Startup Course at www.weddingofficiantschool.com. The Middle of the Week Pick Me Up Energy Show is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time from Marcian's Studios in Southern California. All shows are also archived and can be listened to at any time in any place in the world. <laughs>